Rush and Welcome back to another episode of Fresh and Buds. I'm your host, Tommy Fresh. You can call me Tom, whatever you guys want to call me, Fresh. I'm joined by a, a good bud of mine, Garbage Andy. How you doing, buddy? Sup, Mr. Fresh? What's new, man? How you been? Not much. I'm chilling. I missed you at uh, Nationals. I wish I got to be there, but uh, I heard you had a great time, so that's awesome. Yeah, man, it was a really good time. We'll get into that, but uh, yeah, man, this is uh, you're the first repeat uh, guest on the on the show. This is pretty exciting. Hell yeah. Um, what's what's been new with you? What have you been up to? What's uh, what's going on in your world of flesh and blood? Uh, not a ton. I've been excited because I've been I, I released a gameplay video this week, which was cool, and then uh, asked people what kind of deck they wanted to play. So we're actually going to record after we're done with this. Uh, podcast because I built a new um, I built a new deck I built Blitz I have Data Doll which is exciting so it's a I did some test hands with the hero I haven't played her yet but I'm very excited to try this deck out and make a gameplay video out of it. Yeah, I know I'm pretty interested to see how that goes because that's a pretty interesting hero and I actually built a Blitz deck to play. I did a KO which. Should be interesting, you know. I like to roll dice and I like to be risky, so we'll see how it goes, man. But uh, let's get into it. First of all, let's talk about nationals uh, briefly. Uh, you know, first a really big congrats to Tarek Patel winning this weekend. I mean, it's absolutely insane what he's been able to do in Flesh and Blood in such a short amount of time. Yeah, for sure. Such a short amount of time, and also insane that we had the literal rematch from the calling. Uh, between Michael Fang and Tarek uh, it, at Nationals. Like, that's so crazy. And especially since we had Tarek win this and then Michael won the calling is just, like, so wild to me. Like, it just shows how skilled both of these players are, right? In, in like, all formats. Oh, yeah. And I think it's going to be... <laughs> maybe there's a little bit of a, uh, like, a... What's the word? A rivalry uh, brewing here? That'd be kind of cool. I know that they're friendly. I mean, it would be a friendly rivalry. We're not looking at any... Uh any uh, yeah. mudslinging going on but you know it, it's really interesting I, I i saw somebody um one of Tarek's friends on twitter um i forget exactly the name but he had posted the um screenshot of the message that Tarek had sent him about flesh and blood when he wanted to get into it and i looked at the date on it it was like august 29th i had already been playing for like a month at that point and i was like yeah Holy smokes. I mean, I know he he comes from, uh, you know, the TCG world, so it's not, you know, unheard of that he's, uh, you know, that great. But in such a short amount of time, just to make nationals and win uh, yeah. is pretty uh, pretty intense. But uh, i got to also give a quick shout-out to uh, Michael Hamilton winning the calling yeah, with, the with calling. my boy Oldham. Man, that was awesome. Uh, did you catch any of that? Uh, that I, didn't uh, get topic? To. I was in and out. I was I was in and out of the stream during the weekend, uh, but I didn't get to see him win with old time. I cannot believe, honestly, that that happened because every person that I've spoken to and it comes to that deck is like, yeah, you're just going to go to time every game and going to lose because it's like the ultimate tur turtle shell strategy, which is honestly like my least favorite strategy in the game. Probably <laughs> yeah. like I like playing aggro decks, um, but like, you know, I, I don't know. I well, I don't know. I, I'm a mix. I, I like aggro and mid-range stuff, but like the totally 
turtle shell control swing the hammer type thing is like so not my my jam but i yeah it's pretty impressive to see old time come out like two heroes from tales of aria winning both tournaments there is pretty crazy right like that's that's just shows how powerful they are oh yeah it did it, it is it, definitely a testament to the power in in tales of aria and i was reading uh michael had posted on reddit kind of like a I guess a um, kind of recap of, of playing Oldham in the tor- in the tournament, which, you know, that was a big concern is, is going to time. And he said that he actually had to remind players to play faster <laughs> because uh, if he didn't, uh, he, he would have gone to time. And, and you can call a judge over to have people watch. I'm not a huge fan of that. That's like not exactly uh, what I want to be worrying about when I'm playing. Uh, Flesh and Blood, though I did play Oldham in a constructed event uh, in in uh, on Sunday at at Nationals, which you know we'll go we'll get into that. But it seems like a a deck that Heat seemed to have tuned to be a little more aggressive, a little faster. Uh, but um, it was good to see not Briar win, to be honest, in the in the calling, even though uh, the the top eight was still pretty uh, jammed with Briar from what I saw. Yeah. And that's why we're gonna we're here to talk about Rune Blades, right? Because you and I we talked about this off the podcast, and we were like, "All right, maybe maybe we should have a conversation and record it." You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think it all started when we were we you had just built Briar, I think, and we were just playing on Discord, and you were like, "You know, honestly, this is not the most fun deck," from what I remember you saying, and and it wasn't the most fun to play against either. Yeah, um, but we'll get into that. I just want to give a a uh, brief recap of, of the weekend, then we'll crack a pack, and then we'll we'll get into the main topic. But first of all, I uh, got to Orlando on the Friday. Uh, since I wasn't playing in Nationals, I was only playing in the Calling. I didn't need to be there until Friday. And got there late afternoon, did a draft, uh, met up with Harrison, who's from your Discord. He's a really cool dude. Um, oh, yeah. uh, we got to hang out and chat quite a bit. And I also met uh, Kellen, the Red Zone Rogue. Uh, he was really cool. We chatted for a bit as well. I, I did a Tales of Aria draft, forced Oldham, and uh, went 2-1 on that draft, I believe. And and then, uh, you know, pulled out my uh, trade binder and traded up for the rest of uh, the Bolton Savers deck, which uh, I'm actually really happy with. I think that, that deck's actually pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's the OTK, right? Yeah, essentially OTK. Uh, I think if... If you can chip them down early, you can get it into an OTK situation. But usually it just gets them so much lower and, and uh, you're so much ahead on life that you can play a, a pretty simple game to finish it out. But really cool. Uh, Saturday was the calling. I, I brought Levia. I, I had I had decided on building Levia when, when Prism was still thought to be the deck. Uh, going into nationals and and the calling weekend and obviously the uk nationals uh, switched that up a bit with briar and i think levy was definitely the wrong choice i mm. uh, i played against two dashes and one earth briar which we'll get into earth briar uh, later but uh i went oh three drop and then i just went over to the draft tables and and uh you know jammed some uh some tales of aria draft which was like a lot of fun i, I actually really enjoy that draft format uh, even yeah, though I too. just force Oldham every single time, but <laughs> have have you have you drafted Tales of Aria yet, or just unsealed? 
I did one draft and it's actually hilarious because it was the Friday um it was the Friday at the calling before I casted in Cincinnati. So I was going around and like meeting people and you know just buying some cards and talking to the CFB staff and I did a draft, one draft I believe I got to do. Nice. Um and I, I think I did one draft and started a sealed where I got to play Rob, but then I had to go. But the the one draft I did, I ended up go uh, winning my first game against my brother. Uh, oh, nice. I was playing Briar. I had a pretty pretty sweet Briar deck, and I sat across from Michael Fang, and then I ended up playing him uh, for my second game and lost to him, uh, which was hilarious. Um, and it was actually really great because it helped me during the weekends as far as like figuring out who to feature. Because there were several times where the staff at CFB were like, hey, do you know any of these names in these in the bracket? Like, do you want to feature any of them? And I had spoken to Michael after he beat me with Old Time in draft. And I was like, well, that was an interesting deck. You know, I mentioned I was casting the event. He told me about his LGS. And I was like, this dude's really nice. I, I, I like what he's, uh, what he's trying to do here. And then, you know, the feature match that he had, not in the finals, obviously, because there's no choice there. But there was a point where I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I played against him yesterday. He's really good. Let's watch him. And obviously he went on to win, which is great. So I did, I've only, I've literally only done one draft of Tales of Aria and I played against the winner of the calling and the second place uh, person <laughs> at nationals. So don't feel too bad that I lost to him, but uh, it was great. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, in terms of limited players, he's got to be one of the best in the country right now. He's, he's excellent. I, it was funny the Monday after Cincinnati, cause he's from Jersey. Yeah. Um, I'm at Highlander Games, which is my LGS, and I, I sit down for for their Monday night draft, and across from me is Michael Fang, and I'm like, hey, man. He's like, dude, I just got back from Cincinnati. I'm like, why are you drafting? He's like, I can't stop, So, which was really cool, and, and we ended up um, playing each other uh, both on Oldham, and he, he was um, passing to me, which uh, ended up Oof. really costing my deck uh, quite a bit, but he gave me some really great pointers on on playing and drafting all of them and and uh it, i think it did um pay dividends when it came to me drafting especially a lot in orlando but uh really cool um events uh the the room was huge plenty of space felt very safe uh i'm sure you felt the same way in cincinnati it was uh, and and the community for flesh and blood i gotta say is one of the least toxic uh at least in terms of uh, trading card games uh it's ever been in my opinion yeah i mean i uh i come from like magic the gathering um and i'm sure that's where a lot of these players are coming from right like Tarek and uh you know everyone who's got a name for themselves i feel like and you brought up an interesting point earlier about like oh these players just got into it i mean i did too right you know i'm out here casting an event and i just got into the game and there's a bunch of reasons for that um but the community is is incredible. Uh, everyone was super nice to me. Obviously, Michael was, and that was great to meet him before all of his success. And uh, the community in general is really welcoming. I think with Magic in particular, I've experienced um, just a note of like actual toxicity. I think there's a lot of like um, gatekeeping in that community. Yeah, um, it makes sense. And, and, and I get it, you know what I mean? Like it's so, it, it's a very competitive space. Game has been around for 30 years. There's a boatload of content creators. Literally everyone under the sun has a commander show, a commander podcast, anything like that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so people get jealous. People get upset when you know others are successful, and that's a bummer because you know you want people to, you want the game to grow and you want the game to be successful. But I think a lot of people are really uh, content with the size and amount of creators there are. So like being a new creator in a space like that can sometimes be intimidating and honestly a bit toxic. Um, I haven't had that experience, luckily. Like I have a little bit, um, but I know friends of mine definitely have felt that. You know when they succeed really quickly and grow and then all of a sudden you know people that have been around the game for 20 years 30 years are a bit jealous but i think one of the beautiful things about flesh and blood is how new it is and that relates back to how i feel about the um the the speed at which people are able to learn i don't think flesh and blood is an easy game but i think if you have tcg experience coming into a game that's only existed for about two years is amazing right it's like the gold rush and, and that'll, I'll definitely bring this up again later. I don't want to derail too hard here. But I think part of the reason why a lot of these decks are like super successful, especially as new sets come out, is that there's just a limited pool of cards. And that's actually something mm-hmm. I love about the game, personally. Uh, it makes my job easier as a caster and as a player. You know, it's not intimidating to build a deck because there's only X amount of cards that can go in my deck, um, especially when it comes to newer heroes. Uh, newer sets that aren't going to have as many generic cards so um yeah i think a lot of it to boil it down between those two things i think a lot of the reason why the game is so welcoming and positive is that it's new and people want it to be successful and they want to see people grow and they want the community to grow so anybody who's making content anybody who's playing the game at a higher level or you know is excited about it i think everyone's just happy to see that right yeah no i agree 100 percent. and uh you had Actually, today you, you posted on Twitter, you kind of thanking like people in the community how like great it's been so far. And when I saw that, it's like, you know, it's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I, I'm a firm believer in that. And, and, you know, it takes a village and all that. I think, you know, it's a shame about uh, the magic community being like that sometimes. And, you know, I, I that's not the case for the whole on um, the magic community. There are some great magic creators and, and very welcoming. But. You know, I, I've I've seen a lot of what you mentioned just before, mm-hmm. but in Flesh and Blood, I think right now, I think we're all really realizing that, you know, this is this is this is a a new game that is really going to need all of these creators and players to really just I don't know, kind of come together to prop up the game, and and I also want to make a quick point on a on to like. Shout out LSS, uh, Brian Gottlieb, um, if on Twitter, who I think he runs like an M- MTG deck site, if if mm-hmm. I'm not like a MTG Arena decks or something like that. But he kind of did a shout out to their article that they posted today, kind of just going over what happened in Orlando this weekend, and it was like really in depth, and it really showed that LSS like cares about organized play and they they want to prop up the people that do well they wanted to prop up Tarek they wanted to prop up Mike Fang they want to prop up Michael Hamilton it's it's really refreshing because you know as someone who who did come from the magic side of things uh, I, I don't think you we we stopped seeing a lot of that and I you know it is what it is but I think that's a just a real positive about flesh and blood right now so you know it's a it's a it's, it's I think all things are looking up, uh, but we're going to get to, uh, um, you know, if if the the decks being played right now are the best things, but we'll get there. Uh, but I just want to go over, uh, I did meet Mo, who you just did uh, the uh, gameplay video with. 
He he was mm-hmm. who's awesome. He was a great hang. We talked quite a bit. And then I also ran into AJ Yager, who who I believe top aided Cincinnati when you were there, or was that Dallas Fort Worth he top aided? I don't remember. Uh, sounds familiar. I definitely recognize the name, but I don't remember if he was in Cincinnati, if it, how he did at Cincinnati or not. Yeah, but I know he definitely top aided one of the limited uh, callings. But he's uh, he's a great dude. I've talked to him on Twitter quite a bit. Uh, he's got a really sweet uh, seeds of agony tattoo which is oh, wow oh no yeah i know well when I, when the when the band came down uh we had dm'd a little bit he's like dude honestly i'm pretty bummed because i have a tattoo i was like you know what that's the beauty about tattoos they all meant something to us at one point in our lives and and that, i mean to be honest out of you know all the flesh and blood artwork which sees the agony is pretty awesome so uh, oh, yeah. I, I think it worked out for him uh, Sunday was a chill day. I overslept, didn't do the pro quest. So I, uh, you know, got breakfast with my, my lady who had tagged along and then we did Ripley's believe it or not. Then I walked over, did a constructed four round event and I had built Oldham, Oldheim. And <laughs> of course, when I didn't, uh, bring Levia, I ran into prism twice. So, you know, I guess just the cards weren't falling, falling my way this weekend. Uh, but I still had a lot of fun. It was a great experience. And I, and we've talked extensively that we really can't wait for uh, some some callings to happen in the Northeast, for sure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I can't wait. I hope we get one, uh, you know, closer to us so that we can go easily and go to multiple. I want to go to multiple next year. I want to do as many as I can. And yeah. uh, you mentioned that article earlier that uh, Brian posted. That was my inspiration for my post this morning because I read the article and I was just like, it, you know, they, they named all of us. They named everybody who's casted. Mm-hmm. They named the winners. They went in-depth at all the events. And it was, like, it was pretty amazing, right? Like, it's not even, it, it's not even like the article did anything extraordinary. It did what you expect. It goes over all of the things that uh, LSS has done. But it's just the, the, the scope of it is what makes it important and interesting, right? Because, like, uh, absolutely. there's a void. There's a huge void for a ton of magic players right now that are into the competitive scene, you know? Like nobody there there's just not this type of event coverage and uh dedication to other competitive card games as there is with uh Flesh and Blood and LSS right now. So it's just like it's incredible to have seen what they pulled off around the world during a pandemic with a per in-person only card game. Like it's actually bonkers. If you think about it and yeah, it's uh pretty nuts honestly yeah it, it's it's really crazy and so like um it was just like one of those things where you read it and i was just like it's it what made me excited is that i'm in i'm part of it in any way you know like it's just cool it's just cool to be a part of it at all you know like casting it playing the game anything you know meeting you meeting new friends and stuff like it's just been like a really great thing to happen so Absolutely. yeah it was just it was just awesome yeah, and and it, it you know it feels important because it is important, and LSS is recognizing that, and I, I think that's you know honestly a, a really uh, comforting thing to to see. But uh, let's crack a pack, Andy. You ready? You got a pack in front of you? I uh, sure do, man. This is my last prize pack from the weekend, so let's hope uh, let's hope we open something cool. Uh, lately, I mean, we, we got a lot to talk about, so I'm just going to briefly go over the cards. Our token is an embodiment of Earth, which we will be talking about, and a shiver. Um, uh-huh. So, first out of the pack is Entwined Lightning, the yellow one. Okay. Uh, 
you know, I this is this is not a car, this is a card that I wouldn't mind starting off with in the draft. Pretty, pretty, uh, you know, powerful. I don't necessarily want the yellow all the time. I want the red or or the blue to kind of uh, you know smooth out the deck. But uh, mm-hmm. yellow by um, no means is bad. Next we got Autumn's Touch. This is a card I'm a big fan of actually. Uh, this is the I red love Autumn's one. Touch. Oh, yeah. it's a red. That's that's a great card. Hitting for seven for only three uh, resources is pretty great, and it blocks for three. It goes really well into both Briar and Oldham. Uh, you'd be super happy. It's it's kind of a card that I would be on pretty early. Yeah. Uh, next is Shock Striker Red, which is another great card for both Lexi and Briar. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a pretty stacked pack so far. If you're gonna, if you ask me. Um, yeah. I would probably go Autumn's Touch over Shock Striker just because I I like being in Earth, but I wouldn't. Yeah, fall I don't in. love Sh- Shock Striker actually. I just don't like the the instant speed pay two on hit effect. Like I've never found to be like super powerful personally, but um, it, it's definitely not a bad card to pick up early just to keep you open. Yeah, I think it, it definitely finds a better home in Briar than I think Lexi um, Briar, where you're kind of trying to threaten that little extra damage at the end of the game a lot more it feels like mm-hmm. rather than just dominating an arrow yep um next is icy encounter the blue one uh i wouldn't mind starting here but it's not not exactly where i want to be i like the red i kind of you know coming in for some heavy damage and threatening the frostbite's always pretty good mm-hmm. um here's a card i actually really like quite a bit um first it's so tomorrow the blue one uh, this is the only one that I would be interested in. Uh, yeah. I like the uh, defense reaction um, on Oldham, obviously, and this is a solid card to, to go into for, for that, but I don't know if I'd start there. It's also fine in Briar, right? Like, I've seen people play So Tomorrow's for Recursion if you're playing against Oldheim in, in Briar, and then also just to, you know, have a three, a, a blue card in your deck to pay for other costs. It's just, that's a solid card for sure. Absolutely. Uh, next, we got our first rare. This is a, a you know, uh, not my favorite. It's it's good in the red version. This is lightning press. This is the blue version, though. Uh, okay, so just plus one. Just plus one. Uh, you know, and it's it's a. It's, I mean, it's good in in Briar. I, I would say doesn't block. Doesn't doesn't block. It's uh yeah, it's pretty medium, but it will be going in the giveaway whenever I do that next. We do have a majestic, Andy. Ooh, have what is it? Channel Mount Heroic. I uh, really like that card a lot. Oh, oh, man, yeah, this is a powerful card. Three costed, uh, at, uh, Earth action aura. Go again. Uh, at attack action cards you control have plus three, which is pretty nuts. It also blocks for three, which is which is great. And then it has the channel a good Earth. card. Yeah, uh, I'd probably be on this pretty early. This is this yeah. is a, a pretty <laughs> pretty great card to start off with, but our foil is also a, a nice one to start off with as well. If you really want to jam into Briar, Bramble Spark Red is uh, quite pack, the card. Though. Yeah, <laughs> what a pack, man! This is this is probably the strongest pack I've opened on on the podcast in a while. This is pretty nuts. Um, Bramble Spark Red. I mean, I would fault nobody for going in on this, but I don't think I would go in on it ever over channel mount heroic nah pack one pick one channel all day yeah and i think uh we'll throw that in the giveaway too people are playing that card as we'll get into the 
The uh, equipment is a deep blue, which is a great equipment in this set. Also, um, pack one, pick oneable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this is this is one that I think any deck is happy to have. Turns any of your cards into a blue pitch. It's great. So uh, we got a frazzle, red frazzle, solid arrow for you ranger players out there. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would ever pick any like specific class cards first out of a pack. Uh, so none of these are going to be first pickable. I think probably the closest would be a red bramble spark. Uh, we do have a blue bramble spark, which is solid. Uh, emerging avalanche, I'm not super impressed with. I actually prefer to do the strength of Sequoia um, if I'm going to go and hold them because I think the seismic surge token is is great, um, especially when you're playing thumps. You want to go Sequoia into a thump the next turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. We have a flake out, which is the ice fusion gets dominate, which, you know, kind of, I guess you can, with shiver, you give it plus one and then you can fuse to give it dominate two, which is solid. Uh, Vila flash, which is cool in Briar. If you can, you can fuse it to get some action going with like the, uh, the, the arcane damage spells, or not spells, um, non-attack actions. And uh, we have a red strength of Sequoia, which I am a big fan of, uh, you know, because it does block for three and it sets up some pretty big thumps. I like the thump in, in this format. That boy but, likes the thump. Yes, I do. But we're going to talk a little bit about Rune Blades, man. So yeah, let's talk about Rune Blades. What, first of all, before we get into it, Rune Blade, who's your favorite Rune Blade? Uh, this or I by far. I'm gonna go ahead and agree. Uh, though it was not the first Runeblade I had played. I I did start off with Chain. That was the first deck I built. But we'll get to our boy Chain in a bit. So Viscerai yeah. was the OG Runeblade. Came out in Arcane Rising. So this was a a kind of like dark wizard warlocky kind of hero that LSS um, introduced to us um, in Arcane Rising. Very unique, uh, definitely a different direction from Welcome to Wraith, what we got there. Uh, the nice thing about Viscerai, and tell me if you agree, Andy, is it's it's a balanced rune blade and still very strong. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, if you look if you look at what he does, right, I think I've played against Viscerai a lot. This is my brother's favorite hero, and I've played it against against his version of the stack as it's evolved from blitz to cc and all iterations of it um and it's so if we read the text on it and and we're going to compare it again i think to briar eventually but like Mm -hmm. whenever you play a rune blade card if you have played another non-attack action card this turn you create a rune chant token so already the balance on this card is it, it it cares more about rune blade cards, right? It wants you to play rune blade cards, and the rune blade cards that you play in Viscerai, in most of his types of builds, are built around the idea of rune chant tokens. Whether it be a more of like a mid range strategy or a one turn kill with like a crazy amount of them and arcane damage, but like his his card is flavorful and balanced around the idea of him being a rune blade, right? Absolutely, and. And the thing I like about that is when deck building, you have to, like, do some work to make his ability work. So yeah. when, you, when you're when you sitting down, like, all right, I'm going to build Viscerai, like, 
I'm I'm gonna look at Rune Blade cards. That's what I want to look at. So I want to look at Rune Blade cards and I'm gonna look at non-attack cards. So I think uh, it, it was a very balanced hero, and you know, balance doesn't mean weak. And I think Viserai has the ability to be very strong, and I think that's okay. And I also think the fact that there are multiple different ways to build Viserai is a sign of a healthy hero. So, you know, you can get some like mid-range versions or some OTK versions or I guess even some more aggro versions. Mm-hmm. What does uh, your brother play? He he runs like somewhere in between like a mid-range and an OTK. Like he's he's still working out the kinks of the deck, I think. Um, but I agree with you. Like if you're able to build a hero in multiple ways and it's a healthy hero, and I also think it's healthy that Viserai and and a lot of the cards that go in that deck, even the non-attack actions that go in Viserai, right? They care about making rune chant tokens, you know, like reduce to rune chant uh, makes those and and like there's just like a lot of I mean, that's a D react, I think, but it, yeah. I, there's a lot of cards in his deck that care about enhancing his hero's strategy. And I think that's what I love about this game the most. And we've talked about this is that like mm-hmm. i mean i'm i get why people are competitive like there are people that that are just into flesh and blood to be into the meta they make the best decks ever and they want to win money and they want to win tournaments and that's it um but for me big reason i got into this game as well as magic when i was a kid is that there's this like really nice um balance between representing what a card or a hero or a, a creature or whatever wants to do uh with what it's you know uh what it's representing right so like uh i love that balance and i think it's important for a hero to to feel mechanically unique in that way as well as being you know balanced and not overpowered yeah and and i agree i think you know when i sit down at a a table i want to play a deck that i'm going to have fun with uh and to me viscerai feels very fun because it's (laughs) very satisfying to to kind of do what he's doing, right? It, it's satisfying to like all of a sudden have a bunch of rune chant tokens on the on the on the the arena or the battlefield, and uh, and it feels fun to make people decide to build their deck in a certain way just in case they uh, face a viscerai. And I, I think arcane barrier one is is just like who would you know? You, you look at uh, like a rune rune. Uh, oh, what the heck? Rune hood. What the, I no can't rune? think of the word. No rune no hood. Rune. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all these uh, rune blade. I'm just thinking runes first. But no, no rune hood. Who would look at that card just on its face and be like, well, why would I ever play this? And then you and then you go against a, uh, a hero like Viserai, and all of a sudden, no rune hood's awesome, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's not the end all be all. It doesn't completely destroy Viserai, but it is a useful card to play against Viserai. And I feel like, you know, and we'll get to the other room, uh, room blade heroes. I don't feel like the counter cards are really there as much, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. Um, and it, the, the strategy, especially with Viscera is an interesting one too, because it feels powerful, but it doesn't feel bad. You know what I mean? There's not, there's not like a feel bad component to Viscera. Like, um, it's it it can hurt and and i think when you play against viscerai at least my experience even if it's not otk there's like there's just ever looming rune chant 
token build up and you're just mm -hmm. like oh they're at 10 okay oh they're at 20 uh-oh <laughs> and then all of a sudden it gets out of hand so like it's a it's a hero that's really dynamic and fun to play against because it's not unbeatable right it's not like it's not like oh you know i just block 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 and then all of a sudden you're dead um there, there's still decision making to be made when you're piloting that deck and i think really difficult decision making which is why it's very interesting um and it, it's not necessarily super linear like it, it you can change your idea you can decide well maybe i do want to use my rune chan tokens now even though i am an otk build maybe i'll maybe i'll you know i'll, I'll get some damage in now just to kind of swing tempo in my direction because i'm getting beat or whatever and um we'll, we'll get into the briar deck and but i think that that's that's something that's lacking from that deck is how linear it is mm -hmm. and how easy it is to kind of stick to the one strategy it wants to do Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it's an important thing to call out that thematically, Viscera's got to be one of the best heroes in the game. And I understand why they printed uh, a Runeblade hero in the following two sets after, because Runeblade in general is a really cool class. Yeah. And But Viscera, you know, I think it is a lot of people's favorite hero for a reason. It's dark, magical. The the art is really dope. Uh, I think it's, it's a, it's a, hero that's going to be i think beloved for a long time in this game and it'll be interesting to see how they support it going forward and in a, in a way that doesn't necessarily support the chains and, and briars of 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 the world right i agree yeah but the the next two rune blades that we're going to talk about are 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 uh, you know less than balanced and are a bit broken but for different reasons the first being uh chain bound by a shadow chain chain is a a was the boogeyman of of flesh and blood for a hot second there uh came out in monarch the following set after arcane rising if you don't count crucible war uh it's a shadow rune blade i think it is a well-designed hero uh he he creates a soul shackle token so he has a once per turn action create a soul shackle token your next rune blade or shadow action this turn gains go again and then it says go again and again so uh, basically, uh, Soul Shackles uh, mill you into your Banish Zone every turn. So you're kind of building up these Soul Shackles. Uh, and I, I like that it does require you to to look at your deck building when, when building him. And uh, I think uh, you know he turns out, you know, other than Seeds of Agony, which we'll talk about in a second, it does uh, present some interesting deck building choices. Yeah. I agree. I think it is a balanced and interesting hero, actually. I think the, the issue with Chain was, was were some of the cards that got printed with him, right? And and the reason behind Seeds getting banned, I think LSS stated, was that it was designed for Limited. And I think when you look at it through the lens of Limited, Seeds of Agony is a card that you want to take early on and you want to play in your Limited decks for Chain. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily um, going to win you the game all the time. It's just there to balance a hero that's high risk, right? Like balancing your car uh, you know your your once per turn action is risky when you're you're filling up you're getting salt you're getting blood debt um and and you're having you know your, your deck go away into the banish zone um so seeds is there to prevent i think a lot of that risk mm -hmm. uh when you're when you're drafting it when you might not have as many cards right um, but when it comes to constructed you're when you're running nine versions of this card and basically what you end up with is you have a, a, a third hand. You have your arsenal, your hand, and then your banner zone to play seeds out of. Mm -hmm. And that's just that's where it gets really busted is that he, the card advantage that Chain was able to generate, I think, was just 
overwhelming uh, in comparison to other heroes on top of the fact that rune blades do arcane damage and rune blades are just powerful on their own so it was just like this perfect storm i think of hero ability being cool um mm -hmm. but like a couple cards kind of putting him over the edge like the zero costed cards that would just make it uh just a little bit too pushed yeah and and when i got into flesh and blood i bought the blitz decks the pre pre-con built blitz decks from monarch and chain was one of them and when i played chain i was like this is really awesome and I could see how, like, when I was playing, I was like, I could see how powerful it could be in Constructed, but I didn't realize uh, that the balance of other decks wasn't at that level. I thought, oh, it's like every deck's going to be, you know, this level of strength, like, scaled up from, like, their, you know, quote-unquote pre-con style uh, deck, and uh, yeah, uh, Seeds of Agony was a, a must-ban, um, but that being said, I think for the most part, Chain is in a healthier spot now. I think still very strong, uh, less consistent without Seas of Agony. Uh, it feels like a glass cannon, and it is weak to a lot of hate that people are playing to combat uh, our next Runeblade Briar. Yeah, agreed. Uh, though, you know, obviously in a... We, we saw a lot of Chain in Nationals Weekend... Uh, you know, the finals came down to Chain and, and Briar. So we'll get into Briar. This is a this is a card that I think we both feel pretty similarly on. Uh, if you mm -hmm. want to take uh, take the lead on Briar, I'll let you. I'm sure you have some words to say. Sure. I mean, so I want to start off and say that I don't hate the card. I think the hero is really cool. I think there's a couple of things that bother me about the card, though, and the design of the hero. First, I actually don't think that they should have played put a rune blade in the set somebody on twitter mentioned it maybe being a uh, a druid or like a new a new class or maybe mm -hmm. you know a wizard or something and i think they're i honestly i think lss is staying away from wizards because that's like you know if you think rune blades are op just think about the way that kano can potentially be with playing spells on your opponent's turn i mean i've played against kano where i lose on my own turn and have nothing i can do to to, to about it at all um and so that's like a really feel bad mm -hmm. but um i mean so with briar one i don't think we needed a third rune blade um i think chain is and and viscerai are both great i think maybe it would have been interesting to get like another type of hero but that's not my biggest issue i think my biggest issue with briar is that her hero um like her her static hero abilities or I guess like triggered effects are like they they just reward you with no with no risk or any flavor telling me what Briar is about, right? Mm -hmm. Like you look at Chain. Chain's about playing out of the banished zone. That's interesting. The soul shackles, it's flavorful. It has this it, it's about that type of character. You see Viscerai. Viscerai is about playing runeblade cards and rune chant tokens, the first runeblade. And I do want to just mention really quickly, because while you were talking about it, I I, I did uh, think about it. Arcane mm -hmm. Rising had some of the coolest, most flavorful heroes. Viscerai, oh, yeah. incredibly fla flavorful. Um, Azalea, so amazing. My favorite hero in the game. I love the way that she plays and top deck manipulation. Um, Mechanologist, obviously amazing too. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love Arcane Rising. But then going back to Briar, like, like I said, she just gets rewarded for doing things, things you want to be doing anyway, right? So like whenever an attack action card deals damage to an opponent, 
you create an embodiment of earth token so your defense is going to be better on your turn so boom okay you want to be dealing damage cool then i get an embodiment token and then whenever you play your second non-attack action each turn you create an embodiment of lightning so it rewards you for dealing damage which is something you're going to literally want to do on every single turn yep. and it rewards you for going wide which in a lightning strategy like we saw uh Tarek and many others builds um i mean Tarek was really the pioneer of it but you know mm -hmm. it, as we saw with lightning briar you, you're going to want to be going wide every turn anyway so there are going to be lots of turns where you're going to play double non-attack actions and and that's going to lead you to ultimately using rosetta thorn which is actually something i think we should talk about too because mm -hmm. i think I think Rosetta Thorn is a big part of the issue with this with this hero. I agree. I actually think deck. it's a big part or a big issue for Runeblade in general, Rosetta Thorn. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like my problem yeah. with Briar is that she doesn't feel and, and this is this is a big issue that I had when I played the deck against you um and built it i built the one from the calling in cincinnati um and and that was a leaked list i believe and then you know obviously we saw an iteration on that in in uh in florida but it 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 doesn't feel like flesh and blood and that was a bummer to me because mm -hmm. up until up until i played briar um i always felt that every time i'd build a hero literally every other hero in the game felt like like I was doing what the hero would be doing in combat, where as where with Briar, I was just like I'm playing good cards and getting rewarded, and so I completely detached from this sense of, um, having to make critical decisions that were interesting, that had to do with, you know, the compromises I may have had to make for my particular hero. Like when I play Ranger, I have to block a certain way because I need cards to pitch to get things into my arsenal. Mm -hmm. When I play, you know, Dash, I can't, I need to make sure that I have the resources to load up my pistol or that I can, you know, that I'm able to have a boost card in my hand so that I can at least, uh, you know, get go again. You know, there's all these critical decisions, whereas Briar, a lot of the times, in my opinion, just feels like play good cards, get rewarded. And I, I think you can relate to that and would agree, right? Uh, absolutely, and I here, here here's something interesting, right? So when you're playing Flesh and Blood, and you know you 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 play out an attack, and it's like a pretty devastating attack. Let's say you, you you're somehow coming in for like eight, nine, something like that, and your opponent looks at their hand and says, "All right, I'm gonna take it." You kind of feel like, "Uh oh, <laughs> what's coming next?" With Briar, like especially this Lightning Briar, it feels like that's every turn. They're just, yeah, I'll take it. And you're like, oh my God, are you serious? Like I'm, I'm about to like, I'm like presenting like the most intense amount of damage here. And they don't care because they're just going to play like 10 cards next turn. And not even from the Banish Zone, like, like Chain, which is like nuts. Yeah, I mean, it, a lot of it has to do with the Arsenal. There's a good deck tech that I watched about the deck before I played it against you too. Mm -hmm. Um in that like there's there's really only two types of cards you're going to be arsenaling in that deck. And again, this is like another reason why I don't like it is cuz it's so linear, right? You take your damage and and there's two cards potentially most of the time that you pay for in Briar. Um and this is an, that's another tangent we can talk about as well is like the the idea of zero cost cards, breakpoints mm -hmm. and things like that. I think that's an interesting discussion. But particularly in this deck 
there's Electrify, which when you play it from your arsenal, you're going to redraw your card. And most of the time, you're waiting for a tunic activation to play it. Mm -hmm. Or because you don't want to pitch for that. You you want to you want to dump your whole hand and get as maximum value every time with Briar. So, you know, it, it, it's linear in the way that most of the time you're just doing the same thing. You're never paying for Electrify. And if you're playing Razor Reflex, which I've seen some builds do, again, same thing. Usually wait for a tunic activation to pay for that. So it's like the deck is just so... It, it's boring. Obviously, we saw... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. we saw Earth Briar, right? Yeah. So the, the, the thing that's interesting about Briar, and I think that are interesting about all the heroes from Tales of Aria, mm -hmm. is that they're elemental heroes. So, yeah. like, you can build them in multiple ways, in ways that heroes maybe couldn't have before. Like, sure, you had Shadow and Light and whatever, but those are a little bit more, like, I would say, uh, just even a, a tiny bit more... Um, smaller card pools whereas like yeah. essence of earth and lightning means like oh i have multiple branches i can go in you know like it's not just i can play light cards in my warrior deck it's that i can build this as a earth hero maybe it's a defensive earth hero or it's an aggro earth hero or same thing with lightning or a mix which you usually see in like limited mm -hmm. so um yeah i don't know i just feel like it's uh it it, it doesn't i don't know it's like a it's like a burn deck in magic if you're familiar with playing that you know yeah yeah, I uh, I agree. Um, I think it, it's interesting looking at Tales of Aria as a whole, right? You look at Oldheim and Lexi, which are just such flavor wins, in my opinion. Uh, I think they are uh, deck building wins. Uh, you know, it's really you have to work for making Oldheim work and you have to work for Lexi to work. Briar, uh, not so much, I feel like. And, and I think... Uh, you know, I uh, to be fair, I do think the Earthbriar of things are a little more um, or less boring. I think that, you know, I think it's cool when Briar's trying to hit a little bit harder. But uh, I wonder, you know, and, and I'm sure we're going to see after the Canadian Nats or, or just Nats season in general. I don't know if there's anything after Canada, but we'll see. I wonder if we'll see any kind of errata or, or even a ban. I mean, it, it is... It, it feels weird that they designed her that way. So do, do you think we'll see any kind of banner errata? I think that's a great question. So, like, when you when you compare Briar to Chain, the thing that we mentioned earlier was that Seeds of Agony was a, a card that really pushed the deck, right? And mm -hmm. that card alone kind of changed the way that the heroes built and lowered the power level of it. The thing with Briar, and it's, a, and it's an interesting point thinking about the entire game as a whole, is that what she does is play breakpoint attacks for zero cost and there are a ton of those or not really a ton there's 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 not that many of those rather mm -hmm. uh, of <laughs> like generics that that get played right you have like scar for a scar you have um a number of different attacks in your deck that like you know like plunder runs are played in this deck there's just there's there are generic cards that get printed um that go well in any deck to fill those holes and the issue that I think Briar has is that there isn't, like, one card, right? If you look at the list of Briar, yeah. it's not like I see Ball Lightning and I'm like, that needs to get banned. I mean, my issue with Ball Lightning is that it's confusing with the way it deals damage and stuff. But oh, yeah, we don't. Yeah. that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. My, my issue with Briar is that any time a card is printed, Earth, Lightning, or Generic, that is a breakpoint, low-costed card, or just, like, you know, is just a good card it'll go right into Briar. Mm -hmm. So there's not really something that, like, 
in my opinion, there's not really one card that you go, oh, that needs to get banned like seeds. It's kind of just like, oh, this hero is set up to be amazing as more and more cards get printed. So definitely, um, I think she would need an errata. And also, um, I just want to mention, like, other heroes, we, we sit here and we wait for, for sets like Crucible of War, right? Mm -hmm. Like, as a ranger hero, this was a great set. We got new equipment. We got, you know, Overflex. We got Bolton Shot. We got new tools, um, Search and Destroy, or Seek and Destroy for um, Rosalia. And that was super exciting. And with, with Briar, it's literally any generic card or Runeblade card that's cheap makes mm -hmm. her good. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. I absolutely oh. agree. So it, it, it makes it, it, it presents a groan of, you know, kind of this groan test uh, whenever a new set comes out and if it's going to have anything that would go into Briar. And I think that's an issue that it, that does need to be changed. And I, I wonder what they what you know, I've seen some people talk about different ways they can errata the tokens or how you get them. It, it is a it is interesting to see if we'll get that. Right. But. And just quickly to compare her to the other two heroes in the set relating to what I was saying earlier, mm -hmm. you look at Lexi, and she cares about the arsenal, right? That's a yeah. theme we've seen between both Ranger heroes now. You have to have something in your arsenal, flip it, and you have cards that, you know, um, Honing Hood that put things in your arsenal for limited usually when you are when you get to decide, oh, can we, um, can we actually, you know, maybe I'll, I'll put this ice card in here to give my opponent a Frostbite token on my turn or there's interesting decision making when it comes to the type of hero you're playing and with old time same thing do i want to pitch to this defense reaction so that i can you know preserve my deck a little bit instead of blocking all the way out and maybe take just a little bit more damage but you know go later than my opponent's trying to and, and that those I, I think those are fun and flavorful ways um to add to that type of hero guardian and a, and a ranger whereas you know obviously like i said a million times briar is just kind of good and that's it yeah, yeah, and uh, I agree. So we, I, we, we'll see uh, if there's any kind of an announcement after the Nats season is over. Uh, I know, I mean, I heard rumors that we're going to get the uh, official announcement of the next set, the the next Tusable uh, next week, I think on the 16th. I don't know. That's a rumor. I have no clue if that's confirmed or not, but, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. But uh, let's uh, let's briefly talk about some weapons and equipment in in. Uh, good old room blade uh we're not going to talk about any talented uh type uh equipment or or uh weapons but uh, i guess uh w one to call out right away is dust blade <laughs> a card that was banned before you even saw the light of day uh, mm. <laughs> or the light of dusk i'm not sure but uh th this is a this is a card that you know obviously it's uh, honestly not even worth talking about i mean i guess you can play it in blitz is this one it's legal? Blitz legal yeah Blitz legal, so I guess it is worth to talk talking about. I mean, it's it's the the uh, yin to the Dawnblade Yang. Uh, uh, I don't. I've drafted this this card and played it, and when that was and this is something interesting. It was a mistake to draft Dustblade and play it over Rosetta Thorn. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's how strong Rosetta Thorn is. It's better than the Majestic. Oh yeah, um, but Rosetta Thorn. I, yeah, I. I how do you fix a card like Rosetta Thorn? It it so for for those of you guys who don't know, it's it's a Rune Blade two-handed sword. Uh, comes in for two for one resource, and if you played a non-attack and an attack action card this turn, it deals two arcane damage to a target hero. 
yeah i think my issue with this card is um there well there's two things attack action and non-attack action is incredibly easy to do like literally every deck in the game wants you to play something to buff your next attack mm -hmm. like everything <laughs> like literally yeah. every deck in the game wants you to do something like that mm -hmm. so that first line doesn't even matter i think like it, it's so easy to turn on in that way but my issue with it is that it deals to arcane you know like i i think arcane damage is obviously crucial to runeblade heroes but the extra two is really brutal right like it's mm -hmm. it, it, it gets in the territory of where that that two is really really hurting a lot more than if it was say one um and, and it's a shame because i think the idea of a rune blade again is a super flavorful one right like boy my brother really likes it um and a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's a like it's a magical weapon wielder like that's mm -hmm. a, that's a cool idea on the surface it right it's it's a character that's able to like you know cast spells and then use their weapons so there's like that really uh cool balance i think in a game that usually cares about one or the other of like oh i get to do both and um you know rosetta thorns just so good yeah rosetta thorn is really good also you know i don't know why it was just straight up rune blade uh and not uh talented like uh elemental yeah, rune like blade. shiver yeah. yeah like like shiver or i mean actually I, I realized that i did include a picture of galaxy black which is a shadow rune blade weapon uh mm -hmm. th and you know why 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 make rosetta thorn playable in viscerai and uh, chain is beyond me, but yeah, and and something about two arcane damage in Runeblade doesn't actually feel that flavorful. I feel like it seems like in general you're dealing instances of one arcane damage in Runeblade as a whole. The two, mm -hmm. I feel like as a as a wizard weapon, it would have worked a little bit better, to be honest. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, but. You know, whatever, you know, they printed it. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't, people have said, why isn't it one arcane damage? Why isn't it, you know, if it hits, deal two damage? But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, we're not here to just uh, crap on Runeblade the whole time. I I actually really enjoy the class. And, uh, yeah, me too. That's yeah. that. I, I don't think, I don't think we're crapping on it. Yeah. I think, like, that's an important distinction to make. Like, both of us, I think, are advocates for the game to be healthy mm -hmm. and to be um in a good spot and for each hero to feel balanced and so like if we sound critical it's because i personally love the game and i would yep. like it i would like a, a meta or a game where i don't feel like there's one hero or one weapon or strategy that's just completely op um and i'm also an advocate for flavor flavorful heroes that feel like you know they're they're doing something interesting and unique and that i can represent them and step into their shoes when i'm playing them um so like our critiques i think are coming from a place of like care you mm -hmm. know i don't i'm not i don't think we're here to be like this is horrible lss yeah. you did a bad job like this is like this game's dumb absolutely not no um it's you know i love runeblade too but i i think these are good things to talk about right because i'm sure lss is listening as well you know i'm they're gonna listen to our feedback and be like hey actually wait a minute hold on there's a pattern here chain mm -hmm. and briar like we need to chill yeah yeah definitely need to chill but yeah no i i agree this is this comes from you know we want to see like healthy gameplay and healthy uh you know uh balance in, in the game but you know that you know talking about Dustblade then rosetta thorn i do think there's some great cool weapons in in runeblade uh, one being dread scythe which is like one of my favorite arts on on a weapon in the game 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is one that, you know, pitches three to attack. This is a majestic. It, it attacks for three. Uh, when you attack with it, deal one arcane damage to defending hero. And a hero dealt damage by Dreadstaith can't gain life during their next action phase. Uh, Reaping Blade is another really cool one, uh, which people tend to play a lot in, in, um, in as like a sideboard, I felt, um, especially against things like Guardian that want to gain some life and, and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Nebula Blade's a huge one. I've played this one um, in Chain, and I know a lot of uh, Viscerai players. Does your brother play Nebula Blade? Yeah. Yeah, Nebula Blade's the go-to for Viscerai. Yeah, uh, just just straight value, you know, rewards you for playing non-attack actions, creates a rune chain if it hits. You know, that one feels very flavorful, very awesome. And then Galaxy Black is a Shadow Rune Blade weapon. Uh, you know, um, just comes in for one, but if you played a card from your Banish Zone this turn, it gains plus two, which is um, another thing. It's like this is goes into your deck building, right? It's it's a uh, it's it's cool. It makes sense for a deck, and and I think that's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's move to some uh, equipment here. Bloodsheath Skeleta. Have you played with or against Bloodsheath Skeleta? Yeah, my brother runs this. It's such a pain in the butt to play against. <laughs> I think my issue is uh, like one of the feel bad things uh, that often happens. I-, I think one of the hardest things to balance is equipment mm-hmm. um, when when playing deck to deck because something that's such an e- some like a-, a way to easily gain tempo in this game is block with equipment, and like having temper is just so powerful, right? Because if I set up a big turn. And my opponent's just like, I'll block with my equipment, and the equipment still chills on the battlefield. It's like, oh man, um, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, I like didn't really get any of that damage through, and then they basically have the tempo after that. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're running equipment that might not be as efficient, uh, can't really block, can't really help you at all, um, it can be, it can be tough. Um, but also, obviously, insanely powerful effect printed on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome art too. I love, I love. I mean, all the Runeblade stuff is really, really cool in it general. Is. It's great. Um, Grasp of the Arc Knight. This is like an auto include in any Runeblade deck. It's really cool. You know, uh, has Battle Worn 2. Uh, you know, pay 2 to create a Rune Chant. Go again. Um, you know, this is a, a solid card. It's just bread and butter for any Runeblade. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the the new the new one I actually I actually really uh, this is a bright spot for to me for Rune Blades in Tales of Aria Spellbound Creepers I actually think is a really cool design. Uh, mm-hmm. This is this is a card that you know once per turn instant uh, you put a bind counter is that what this says spell on yeah. spell creepers and then you may play your next non attack action card this turn as those an instant activate this ability only if you've attacked or defended with an attack action card this turn. Uh, and then at the beginning of your end phase, destroy it unless you've dealt arcane damage equal to or greater than the number of counters on Spelldown Creepers. This 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 is like pretty interesting. It, it presents interesting decisions in the game if you want to use it. You know, it blocks for one, whatever, with Blade Break. But yeah, I don't know how you fall on this card. I think it's really interesting, and I think it's actually gonna um, it's gonna evolve. I think that's also an important point for like overall our discussion as well is that a lot of these decks and cards are going to evolve as the game prints more uh, sets. So, mm-hmm. you know, things like Dread Scythe, which is largely unplayable, I think, for a lot of people, you know, carrying there's obviously two 
runeblade equipments or weapons rather that care about your opponent gaining life which doesn't seem super powerful but we might see a life gain hero eventually and oh, yeah. that might be a a, a a card that gets boarded into any runeblade hero just because you're playing against a potential life gaining hero i think spellbound creepers is is maybe a little bit similar in that we might see might see more cards that care about uh non-attack actions on your opponent's turn mm -hmm. um and you might also care about um you know playing certain non-attack actions in, in the middle of combat um it's cool that it's an instant so um yeah, yeah also there, there could be something that cares about counters on your equipment you know like which, mm -hmm. which could completely change the way you play that card uh and then we have some uh, common uh common stuff that sees play in in uh room blade across the board i know i've played crown of dichotomy uh either iron weave and uh some people are playing some succulent suede hide so i do think that one's not as good as like your snapdragon scalers in in most cases but right. you know he, you know, these are some bright bright spots of design on room blade as a whole and very balanced stuff and i i'm hoping that in the future we get a little more stuff in in this vein rather than you know what we saw with briar so um yeah. i do have a listener question uh you know we uh i started a discord it's called the buds and uh, a guy uh you know listener called farcist in there uh had a question he says what does the future room blade mean for flesh and blood and wh what do you think about that andy oh man it's a good question um the future of Runeblade, what does it mean for Flesh and Blood? I mean, it's obviously got the spotlight on it, right? Um, mm -hmm. We've seen it now do well in a lot of tournaments, uh, in Limited, in Constructed, mm -hmm. um, around the world. And I think that's obviously something that LSS is going to consider. I know that there's a lot of people that are dying for new cards for certain heroes. You want to see new Mechanologist cards. You want to see new Wizard cards. You want to see new Ninja cards, things like that. So I think, um, you know, as the game progresses, uh, I think there will be more balance. I'm hopeful that with supplementary sets like the new one that's going to be coming out, um, we're going to get more, more tools that go into other decks and that everything is going to stay balanced. I love, like, one of my favorite things about flesh and blood is that it's a non-rotating game and we mm -hmm. have things like the living legend to balance that i think it's an incredibly cool and uh ambitious sort of approach to card games and i love it for that i love that at any point i can be like i feel like playing mechanologist and there's no like oh that's not in this format you know and, and maybe that'll come eventually right but mm -hmm. uh i'm i'm what I'm looking forward to most with Rune Blades is, um, not, I, I don't think they need to be nerfed. I don't think we need to be like, oh, get them out of here. But what I, I, I'm looking at it more of the lens of I want to see more pieces for decks that aren't as competitive to to compete. Mm -hmm. um, we we saw we saw the Briar deck go up against that awesome Lexi deck. That awesome deck and we saw it whiff off of a three of a three of a kind i know and that was a man bummer. the daggers that was, yeah that was that was such a bummer man you know because it was so, it was he was crushing it right we were gonna see briar lose there and it was like wow like ranger has a shot yeah. and you know then we have a whiff off that and then you know our our ranger can't attack because her weapon doesn't do anything on its own you know yeah. like, many other heroes can at least just pitch one and swing for two or whatever Yep. Um, but Lexi and Azalea can't, so maybe we'll see a 
we'll see maybe more like a rogue hero where we get like a you know a, a light bow that's one-handed or you know whatever the flavor may be and then we have a dagger or something or like maybe we have maybe maybe there's some interesting design to be had when it comes to heroes like that to make them more viable mm -hmm. um so my answer to that question is i am hopeful for the rest of the game um staying balanced and printing cards to make all the other heroes competitive mm -hmm. so that rune blades don't stick out as like the dop ones absolutely and and i think uh you know to chime in i think the future of rune blades probably taking a back seat hopefully for for a couple sets i mean we got three rune blade heroes in a row i think that's more than enough for now i don't think that that you know we should never get rune blade heroes again but you know, we'll get some stuff in the supplemental set, which will help each individual hero. Um, and I think uh, I think that's a good place uh, for uh, Runeblade to be. Uh, we'll see if there's any errata or, or banned, though. Probably more likely errata on Briar coming out uh, after Nat season. And uh, yeah, but I think it's been a great episode, man. Yeah, me too. Thanks again for having me, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And and something that I've started doing since the last time you were on is I just like to talk a little bit about some kind of food that, you know, myself or the guest is 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 uh, enjoying right now. So what's some uh, what's some food you're enjoying there, Andy? Oh man, I mean we're both uh, tri-state area boys. You know, I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> I was born here. Yeah. Um, you saw me post the other day about an egg sandwich, and I saw. You mentioned you mentioned having one of them New Jersey versions where you got the tail. Is it Taylor ham? Is that what you call it? So so North Jersey folks call it Taylor ham. It's it's pork roll. Um, I, I come from like Central Jersey down near Trenton where pork roll is from. Uh, I mean, I could see why people call it Taylor ham. I don't want to get too into that debate because <laughs> it is like it's like more vicious than people talking about you know video games on the internet sometimes so it, it but yeah no pork roll egg and cheese man that's that's where it's at but i know you long islanders like your sausage and bacon egg and cheese and nothing wrong with that too yeah i mean i gotta that's what i'm saying is like that's like my favorite food i mean i had an egg sandwich today right like that's like that's my go-to man i'm trying to eat an egg sandwich all the time from the deli so uh yeah. it, maybe we could get together sometime and, and i can try one of these pork rolls you know i want to i want to try one because i've never had one i've never had a proper jersey sandwich all right, man. We're we're gonna get it going, man. Especially whenever that calling comes to the Meadowlands, I just know it. It's 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 uh, it's coming. I know it. So, yeah, man. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, if you want to drop your socials real quick, and you know, I know you're doing a lot of great stuff with Flesh and Blood, but you also do a pretty awesome stream. You know, where you do some Magic Arena, and I'm sure there's plenty of listeners who enjoy Magic. I know I do. Yeah, and you've been in the chat too. I appreciate that, man. You come hang out and say hi to me. A lot of people yeah, in the Flesh man. and Blood community have done that, which is great. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I I, uh, I stream four days a week on Twitch. I go by Garbage Andy there, and uh, my social handles are Garbage underscore Andy. I mostly stream Arena just because I did start with Magic. I've been playing that game for over twenty years. Mm -hmm. um, it's also like a great game to stream, right? It's digital. You can hang out and draft, and drafting and limited are my favorite way to play card games. So that's what I do on stream, and then I kind of separate my YouTube stuff. So on YouTube, I've been making a bunch of Flesh and Blood content. We're actually about to record a game together now of Blitz. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've been mixing it up and trying to find my niche. I, I love doing, like, reactionary stuff. That's been super fun. So, like, talking about nationals, talking about things that are happening in the news for Flesh and Blood. I love that sort of thing. It's a lot of fun for me. So if you want to check me out on YouTube, you can find me there at Garbage Andy as well. It's been a blast to uh, put my energy into making that sort of content. So would appreciate you taking the time to come look at it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I enjoy all your reactionary stuff. And it's nice because, you know, doing a once a week podcast, I can't really like do any crazy reactions like in a short amount of time. So like I, I, I do view your reactionary stuff as a, as a companion piece for, for the Fresh and Buds podcast. So I try to send people your way as much as possible. But uh, yeah, man, that's going to do it. We're going to jam some blitz and uh, uh, hopefully uh, hopefully I, I roll pretty well on this brute deck that I'm bringing. I have no clue how it's going to go, but all right, buddy. Uh, everybody, until next time, have a great weekend. Have a good week and talk to you later. Peace out.